All right, hello and welcome to Story Revolucion, the podcast where I, Michael Hernandez, will be walking you through the Bible stories, word of mouth, from beginning to end in chronological order. My hope is that this podcast is going to be one for believers and non-believers, where people can come and just hear the stories that have so affected the Western culture. Um, and I think everybody can appreciate something that has had such a deep effect, um, whether they believe it or they don't. And I believe people want to know. So I'm going to give this time free of sermons, free of interpretation, free of judgment. Time where you can just come and um, possibly learn something new. Um, and so we're going to have a little bit of theme music too, because who doesn't like some good theme music? Welcome to Story Revolution with your host, Michael Hernandez, your very own local Cuban. That podcast theme music probably took me way too long to make because I'm horrible with GarageBand. And now let's go into a time of actually talking about why I'm doing this podcast. So today will be probably a little more vision than it will be actually telling stories from the Bible as uh, this podcast is intended to do. Um, But I think you'll enjoy uh, some of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been making this. So, why do I call this podcast The Story Revolution? Well, it's simple. I want to start a revolution or a revolution of stories. Not just stories from the Bible, but stories in general. I want a revolution of your story. I want you to see that you do have a story. That you have a story of how you got to where you are today. How you got to that place where you're working that 9 to 5 in North Jersey or in Texas or in California or wherever you find yourself. Uh, maybe a story of how you ended up traveling through Europe. A story of how you ended up traveling to South, South America. A story of how you ended up where you are. You have a story. And you love to tell it. So, so many people say, oh, I'm not a storyteller. When I ask them to tell me a story. Word of mouth. But... If I ask them, hey, what'd you do this weekend? They'll tell me a funny story about the weekend or a crazy story from the weekend. They'll give me the juicy details that don't really matter. And they become so excited and so enthused just to tell me about these things. Why? It's not because they're professional storytellers. It's not because they make their money that way. It's just because everybody loves a good story. Everybody loves to tell and to speak and to hear a good story. Um, And so I I laugh when people say they aren't storytellers. And there's also some interesting things that I think stories can battle. For example, one million people will stop reading books this year. That's kind of a scary fact, right? A million people, done, reading books. They just decided, they looked at their last book, and they just walked away. And the book hated to watch them go, but it loved to watch them leave. And so what do you do with that? What do you do when you have a culture of people who are stopping to read? Uh, Some people freak out, they cry, they throw their hands up in the air, but I don't think that's the right reaction. Yes, we want to encourage people to keep reading because it is such an important part of who we are as people. We need books, we need literature, we need stories being told through pages, we need information being given through textbooks. Those are important. There's a completely different way that we process that kind of information. But at the same time, maybe the way to combat it isn't just yelling at people and telling them they need to read more and telling them they're dumb for not reading. But maybe the way to combat it is actually um, getting people set on fire again for stories and getting people set on fire again for actually um, starting to tell stories. Um, and not just a story from their Saturday night, but tell stories, tell moral stories, tell these larger stories, these larger than life stories. Start to use their words, start to paint pic- pic- pictures of what's going on in their life. Um, Another interesting statistic is two-thirds of people are practically illiterate, meaning that they can read, but it's not their primary way of getting information. So 
when it comes to things they need to know on a week-to-week basis, they're not going to be reading to figure it out. They're going to be watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts. They're going to be reading short articles, all those kind of things. And these are people who are probably college-graduated people. Another interesting statistic is one in four people are functionally illiterate, meaning that they can read, but um, it's at a very, very low level and a level that's not even good enough to get them through very basic tasks that they have to be doing. And so that's why I'm so passionate about storytelling because storytelling is a way to possibly combat this because when you start to have a culture that values stories, word of mouth, the natural progression is to people value reading and value um, other forms of information and value words in general more. I think in our culture, we've lost such a value for words. We have a million ways to give words. And a lot of the time, it's just like we're just talking. But we're not you know, giving information in a way that sticks with people. We're just giving information and information and we're telling people to be afraid. And we're telling people this and we're telling people that. But really, we need information that sticks. That's why I'm so passionate about storytelling. And I do want you to tell your story. Like I said, you have a story. And even better than the fact you have a story is I want to hear it. And there's other people around you that want to hear it. And if we learn how to tell stories and we learn to listen to stories and we learn to appreciate the narratives that are happening all around us, our culture will, will be better off for it. And maybe these numbers will start to go down because those millions of people who stopped reading a book started listening to stories word of mouth and started being set on fire for just what a story can actually bring. And they maybe start reading their fiction books again and they start reading... Um, yeah, spiritual books again, and they start reading and reading narratives and getting lost. And they start finding themselves having a passion for words, not just words that try to give information and try to prove a point, but words that try to tell a story. So um, the last thing I want to talk about, while I was talking about all the statistics, is I want to talk about Sesame Street before I tell the story that I have for today. So Sesame Street. Sesame Street is a great way that we tell stories. Sesame Street um, actually has had studies done about it because it really has been such a fascinating cult- cultural, like just this iconic thing, right? Like how many of kids were affected by Sesame Street? I actually don't really think I was, but I know a lot of other kids were. Um, so I probably wasn't one of the smart kids, you know, that's that's okay. But it actually did prove that Sesame Street, um, kids who watched it and actively used it as a way to learn when they were kids, ended up being smarter in the school that they attended. That's pretty crazy. Kids were literally smarter from just watching a TV show that told stories. Why? Because Sesame Street had a brilliant way of telling stories to teach and to um, share lessons with children. So that was a really awesome way that they did it. They did it primarily through storytelling and through very memorable, you know, through song and a lot, a lot of it really through art in general, through stories, through songs, through poetry, through different schemes. They realized that hey, we don't want to. We don't want to just activate one part of the brain to give information. We want to activate the whole brain. And so I think that's what stories do. They activate the whole brain because your imaginative and your creative side of your brain start to link up with the logical side of your brain because there's logical, there's details, there's facts that are remembered at the same time. It's creatively being input. And so they actually had an interesting study. I thought this was the most interesting one was not just that kids were scoring higher in elementary school, which is a cool fact, um, but they had two rooms and they put a group of kids in two rooms and you know the group of kids um were all at the same socioeconomic status um whatever other like variables you could think of they made sure that the rooms were evenly balanced so no room is a bunch of poor kids and one room is a bunch of rich kids that would obviously not be a good way to do this test they made sure that the rooms were balanced that the kids were representing different groups of people well 
And one room had a bunch of toys, these were little kids, and the other room had no toys. So you can imagine the one room with all the toys, as the kids tried to watch Sesame Street, they were only engaged about 50% of the time and actively watching the screen. The kids with um, no toys in the room were actually watching 84% of the time. Around that number, it's not exactly right, but around 50%, around 84%. So that's 34% less. That's pretty striking. That means that one group of kids was watching about 34% less of the time. So you would think, all right, they're watching 34% less of the time. They probably didn't really get what the episode was saying. And that's what the researchers thought. That's actually what they set out to prove. But they gave the kids a test, uh, a comprehension test. And what they found out, and this was a really interesting conclusion, both groups of kids scored the same. So what does that tell me about stories? Well, that tells me that when you tell a story, people actually strategically listen. Even kids can do it. Because kids with the toys in the room, yes, they were engaged in playing with the toys more, but they understood how to follow a cohesive story. There's part of us that just understands how to follow stories and how to derive the point, the lesson of the stories, even if we're not paying attention as much because we know how to strategically listen. A good story will always know when to cue in and when we have a minute to cue out. It's not good. If somebody's telling a story, I think you should try to be engaged the whole time. But at the same time, I do realize that people can engage out. So I invite you while you listen to this podcast, while I tell stories, go to the gym, um, go for a walk, uh, whatever you want to do on your on your free time while you know you can just kind of do something simple task that doesn't really require a lot of your thought. And then you can maybe listen to the story. And I hope that over these next couple of weeks as you uh, journey with me and storying that you can start to uh, um, strategically listen to these stories and, and see what it is the worldview that's being created by these stories, because that's really an interesting thing, is that with the Bible and with the stories being told, is yes, they are one cohesive narrative, but there's a worldview, there's a there's um there's conclusions that can be reached if you just listen to the stories. That's why you don't need me to to preach this sermon if you're a Christian, and if you're just somebody who's just hey, I want to know about Christianity in general, not because I'm some practicing believer, but because I'm curious. And because um, I've never had the information presented to me in an edible way, I hope this is that time for you. And I hope you feel um, unjudged, not hated by me, um, not like I'm trying to shove something down your throat. I hope you just feel like a kid watching Sesame Street, that you just get to enjoy and you get to pick out what it is that you're trying to pick out of the episode or the podcast and that you're just trying to see, hey, what is this story trying to tell me? And you can go about working out or going on a walk or painting or doing whatever it is that you do. And also, like I said, I really do hope that you realize you have a story. And I hope that as you listen to stories being told by me, that you start to practice telling your own stories. Not just, you know, the stories that I tell, which I hope you do tell these again, but I hope you learn to tell your own story. Tell about, tell me stories about your childhood. Tell me stories about who you are. Tell me stories about the things that have made you and shaped, shaped you, experiences in high school and college, the bad experiences, the good. I want to hear the stories about things being tough in America. I want to hear the stories about things being good in America. I want to hear every kind of story because they all matter. And don't throw your stories at me. Don't, don't you know, tell me that I have to believe something because I've heard this. Just tell the stories and let the chips fall where they may. And I promise you, I think you're going to be happily surprised when you start to um, tell your story and allow your story to be told. So with that said, and with all that stuff uh, said, I hope you see why I'm calling this a revolution of stories. Uh, it's not because um, I think stories have never been told, but it's because I think we live in a culture that's telling stories 
through a million different ways, but maybe we've lost the one um, way that we were originally doing it, and that's word of mouth. So let's get back to that word of mouth storytelling, and maybe it'll be a way that we ignite our culture to become storytellers in every sense and to become people who love stories and love words um, and love books and love all those things, but not just because we want information, because we want to know the stories. And so let's go into now Genesis 1 through uh, 2, the stories we're going to be telling today, and it's the story of creation. And uh, it's one of the oldest stories when it comes to the Christian historical text. And so we're just going to start it now. I'm going to give a short introduction to it, and then we'll be on our way. Um, so I'm going to be reading Genesis 1 through 2, not verbatim, like I said. It'll always be just word-of-mouth story storytelling. So I'll read the stories for stories with a lot of deep details. I might take some notes, and, uh, and then I'll just be delivering the story. So here it goes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and without void, and darkness covered the face of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the dark, and he called the light day and the dark night. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it marked the end of the first day. God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens and the waters of the earth. And so it happened. God made the space, and God called it sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, and it marked the end of the second day. God said, Let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so that dry ground may appear. And so it happened. God called the dry ground land, and the water seas. God saw that it was good. God said, let the land spring forth with vegetation and seed-bearing plants of every single kind, and trees that have seed-bearing fruits of all their kinds, and let each plant and tree make its own kind. And so it happened that there was trees and there was vegetation all throughout the land, and there was evening and there was morning, and it marked the end of the third day. Then God said, let us make lights in the sky to mark the seasons, days, and years, and they'll shine down on the earth, and so it happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made stars and placed them in the sky. He put all these lights in the sky to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from the dark. And so there was evening and there was morning, and it marked the end of the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish of all kind, and let the skies be filled with birds. So God created all types of offspring of every single bird and every single fish. And they filled the seas and the skies. And God said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fish fill the seas. Birds multiply and fill the airs. And there was evening and there was morning and it marked the end of the fifth day. Then God said, Let every earthly animal be made. From the large animal to the livestock to the critters on the ground, they were all made. It all happened. In a moment, they were all made. God made all sorts. Each made its own kind, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the animals of the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals of the ground. Then God said, Look, 
I give you every seed-bearing plant and fruit from the trees for your food. The green plants will be the foods for the wild animals and the birds in the sky and every animal that has life. And so it happened. Then God saw all that he made and saw that it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning and it was the sixth day. So the creation of heaven and earth was completed. And on the seventh day, God rested. He blessed his work. He blessed the seventh day. Because he rested on this day, this is the account of the creation of heaven and earth. When God made the earth and the heavens, there was no plants and no grains, for nothing had grown. God hadn't sent rain. There was no people to farm it. Instead, water would spring up from the ground and water all the land. Then God made man from the dust. He breathed life into his nostrils and the man became a living person. The Lord God planted the Garden of Eden and he placed man within the garden. He made all sorts of trees shoot up from the ground, bearing beautiful, delicious fruit. And in the middle of a garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was a river that flowed from Eden. It was watering the whole garden. It divided itself into four rivers, to four arms. The first arm was the Pishon. It was in the Havilah, where the gold is, exceptionally pleasant. The second arm was the Gihon. It was around Cush. The third arm was the, t was the Tigris. It was east of Asher. And the third arm was Euphrates. The Lord placed man to tend the garden and said, You may freely eat of every fruit and every tree, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you are to eat from this tree, you are sure to die. Then God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make for him a helper, someone just right for him. So God formed all the animals and the birds, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. He gave them names, the man did. But still there was no helper for him. So God caused him to sleep, and while the man slept, God took a rib from the man. He closed the opening that he had made, and from the rib he made woman. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She will be woman because from man she was taken. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and joins his wife. The two are united and they become one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked and they had no shame. All right, well, thanks for listening. Um, like I said, there'll never be an interpretation, there'll never be a sermon, there'll never be a message after one of these. It's just a good time to listen. So that was Genesis 1 through 2, the story of creation. And I'm hoping next week, maybe, uh, if people like it and if anybody listens to it, which is not guaranteed at all, uh, maybe we'll do Genesis 3 through 6, depending. And there'll be, obviously, details and things left out, um, just because a lot of it's lineage, a lot of it's stuff like that. I just can't remember. Uh, word of mouth. So that's pretty much it. But thanks so much for this listening. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast. Um, it really means a lot to me. It's not something I'm doing because uh, I have some career in this or because I have some future in this, but it's just because I'm passionate about the stories of God being told and I'm passionate about storytelling. And I want the stories that have so affected my life to be something that's available to everybody, um, regardless of belief, regardless of, of where they are. And um, I hope that this was a time when you were just had some fun listening to something um, and 
maybe see the value of storytelling. And so my challenge to you this week is tell a story this week. Tell a story about who you are. Tell a story about something that happened to you this week that was funny, that was um, that was interesting, that was crazy. Just tell the story. Um, and I challenge you not to tell people in a way where you're trying to make them um, believe or think a certain thing, but just tell them and see how people react. Even tell them stories from your childhood. Um, I just hope, or even if you read a book, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just want, I'm just so passionate about stories being told and people valuing the words of others and people sitting and listening to each other. Um, so that's it for this week, but thank you so much. Leave comments, message me, tell me how you, what you thought about it and tell me how I could make it better or tell me that you don't like it and you don't, you don't like Cubans and that's kind of racist of you to say that, but that's how you really feel and I want to know. But seriously, I really do want to know what people's reactions are, where people stand on all these things. So, um, and you know, if there's any way to make this better, if there's any way you want to be included on this, I've thought about doing spoken word poetry for every story, doing other things like that. I would love to see people who have those giftings and um, who want to express themselves in that way and express stories in that way. Just let me know. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week, and hopefully you'll hear me again next week.